0: Awesome. So as you can tell, I'm not Pastor Chris. Uh, If you haven't met me, my name is Rachel. I am Pastor Chris's wife. We are the lead pastors here at Radiant Life. And he's not here because he's on his way to Tanzania right now. Him, Pastor Matt, our youth pastor, and Pastor Brian, our executive pastor, along with 11 other team members, are on their way to Tanzania for the next 14 days. They're going to be doing some VBSs. They're going to be dedicating some um, schools that and churches that we have given money to as Radiant Life and you've been a part of that. So they get to see some of those buildings that they've built and be a part of those dedications. And then they're going to be staying in tents out in the bush and ministering to people who haven't heard the gospel. And so it's going to be an incredible time. So be praying for them. Um, but that is where they all are this morning. So because Pastor Chris is gone, I get the privilege of bringing you the word this morning. And I have a word that God... I feel has been laying on my heart over the last couple of months, really. A word that has been challenging me as a leader, been challenging me as a Christian, been challenging me as a a worship leader um, in a lot of different ways. And that is about the topic of praise. And so today we're going to be looking a little bit at praise. But first, I want to ask you a question. So, You know, we all have, like, foods and stuff that we like and dislike, right? I really love food. Um, It's bad because every once in a while I'm like, oh, I should eat better. And then almost always then I'm tempted with, like, this ice cream sale. And then I'm like, I bought ice cream and now I eat ice cream every night. It's how it happens. So, like, I cannot buy ice cream and have it in the house. So, anyway, I love food. One food I do not like would be a lima bean. Like, I like most vegetables, but lima beans... I just cannot do. And maybe I don't like edamame either because apparently that's what is in this fried rice I can buy from Costco. And I always pick them out and I'm like, I don't like these lima beans. And someone told me the other day, they're like, that's not a lima bean. It's edamame. So I'm like, well, maybe I don't like that either. So if it's lima bean-like, I don't like it. But I do like most vegetables. One vegetable that I do like would be the pea. Peas, a pea, I don't know. How many of you like peas? A lot of you, you know, you're, like, indifferent. It's fine, you know, whatever. Okay, so my mom, growing up, we would eat barbecue ribs. Um, My mom makes amazing, she makes amazing food in general, but she made really, really good barbecue ribs. Like, they're slow-roasted, and they just fall off the bone. There's, like, no, you know, caveman in your eating of the ribs that my mom makes. You just, like, get to eat on. And so, thankfully, she has taught me, how to make them and I love them and now I can enjoy them even though I don't have her cooking them for me all the time. If you want some, then sometime, you know, I'll have you over and you can have some of my mom's barbecue ribs. But my mom always had two different kinds of sides when she would make ribs. She would do mashed potatoes and the only way to really do mashed potatoes well is by putting, you know, the butter in it and letting it be like this pool of butter and then using seasoning salt. We didn't use salt and pepper, we used seasoning salt. And then she would have the last side would always be peas. And they weren't any pea, it had to be the little teeny canned peas, with, then cooked and with butter. I don't know why that's what my mom did, but now in my mind, whenever I think of barbecue ribs, I have to have mashed potatoes and peas, canned peas. It just takes me back. My oldest daughter, she likes peas. Um, I remember specifically one time I was headed to the grocery store and I was like, hey, does anybody need anything from the store? You know, I do that every time I go. Everyone always says no, and then they either are like, ah, why didn't you buy this? I really wanted it. Or, hey, Mom, we're actually out of these ten things, and I'm like, I asked you what you wanted, and you didn't tell me what we needed. So anyway, then we don't have it, and then everyone's like cranky, and I'm like, well, I asked. This time, though, my daughter was like, yeah, I want something. I'm like, okay, what is it? She said, I would like frozen peas. I'm like, what do you want frozen peas for? I'm like, what meal are you making? She's like, no, I want to just eat them frozen. I'm like, you want to eat frozen peas? Okay. Okay. Now, as a parent, I mean, I guess it could be worse, right? She could be asking for candy or cookies or potato chips. Instead, she asked for frozen peas. I'm like, it's cheap. It's healthy. So sure. So sure enough, I take them home, and there she is just sitting on the couch popping frozen peas. (laughs) I don't know. It's crazy. You could try it. Maybe you like it too. But she loves it. I'm not talking, however, about peas today. You might have been wondering where I was going. But I am going to talk about some peas that I see in the Bible, when it comes to the power of our praise. There is power in our praise. And today we're going to be looking at a story in the Old Testament that helps us see what power praise really has in our lives. We're going to be in Second Chronicles chapter 20 today. And we're going to jump around a little bit in there. But we're going to be starting today in verse 1. It says in verse 1 and 2, after this, the Moabites and Ammonites and with them some of the Munites came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, behold, or a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. And behold, they are in Hazazan Tamar, that is and Gedi. We're going to pause there for a minute because I want to show you something. Set you up a little bit about what was happening in here. So the last time that Jehoshaphat had been in battle. He's just been told right now that there is an imminent battle, that there are hostile enemies against him. But the last time that he fought a battle, a couple things happened. One, he nearly died. They almost, he almost didn't make it out of that battle. And also, he had found himself in a place where he had at one point been serving the Lord. He was following God. He was a king who, who believed in God. And he somehow found himself allied with a king who did not serve the Lord. Now this king, he was seeking the truth or seeking prophecy from people to see what should we do. So they, th- this king of Israel had been put in a battle. He was in the middle of a battle and he saw what should we do. He had prophets telling him, you'll be fine. It's going to be fine. You should go up. You should attack the enemy. All will be good. But he had one prophet who wouldn't tell him that. This prophet was telling him, no, you should not go. That is not what God has for you to do. And because he had believed that this prophet just never had anything good to say to him or say about him, he didn't believe this prophet. He chose to believe these other prophets. And these other prophets had actually had a spirit of lying put on them. And so they were telling him that it would be safe and it would be fine when, in fact, it wasn't. This king wasn't serving the Lord. He chose to go with the prophets who were lying to him and went with, sure, it will be fine. And King Jehoshaphat went along, right along with it. So he had chose to put himself with somebody who wasn't following God. And he went into battle. And what happened was the king of Israel, he died. He was injured and then eventually died. And King Jehoshaphat almost did they almost lost that battle but at one point in there he cried out to God and returned to the Lord and came back to him and the Lord spared him and the Lord protected him that is the battle that happened the last time he was in battle and so now he is being put in a place where they're like hey there's a battle coming so we're gonna see what happens as we continue on in verse 3 It says, Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Okay, so I already mentioned that I like food. Can you imagine? Like, the first thing that he does when he's faced with a battle is to say, Huh, maybe we should just not eat. Like, I don't know about you, but when I am stressed, we have the tendency to turn towards food, right? We're like, hey, let me just eat this whole thing of ice cream or let me just sit and eat this whole bag of potato chips. And you don't even realize you're doing it, but it's because like you're stressed and there's something happening and it's just crazy and chaotic, right? King Jehoshaphat was like, no, there's a battle coming. I am going to turn my face to the Lord and we are going to fast. So it's not because prayer and fasting, though, really is what does the work. It's not what makes us worthy to pray and to fast. It doesn't change. It doesn't make us more worthy to receive a blessing from God. It doesn't make it where God's just going to do what we want. But what prayer and fasting does is it draws us closer to the heart of God. And Jehoshaphat had recognized that he needed to be close to the Lord in the midst of this battle because he didn't know what to do. He needed to know what to do. And he knew that that would come through being close to the Lord. It puts us more in line with his power Fasting is a powerful expression of our dependence on him. So when we pray, when we fast, when we lay aside things that are normally things that we want, normally things we would do, normally things we would eat, and instead we turn ourselves to the Lord and seek him. It shows that we are dependent on him and that we're looking to be close to him and close to his heart. Can I challenge us that when a problem arises, that instead of running and sitting in fear, instead we turn our face to God. It says that Jehoshaphat was afraid, but if we look at the study of it, he wasn't afraid of the battle. He was afraid of what would happen if he didn't seek the Lord first. And that's where we should be at in our life is that What happens if we don't seek God first? What happens if we just do it on our own? We want to be completely dependent on him and close to him. In the next portion of scripture, which I'm not going to read for the sake of time because it's kind of a lengthy prayer, but we see that Jehoshaphat then prays to God. So he decided to be close to him, to draw near to him, to fast, and then he prayed. And he asked God what they should do. In fact, in the end of verse 12, how it ends, I love this. He says, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And if that's how we approach the Lord in the midst of a battle, in the midst of a problem, and we say, God, we don't know what to do, but our, we are, have our eyes set on you. It changes our perspective from being right here at what's happening in front of us, and our eyes are set on him. And it changes a lot when we can recognize that he's in control and we are not... And that our dependence is on him. It takes the pressure off of us when we do that as well. It's no longer up to us. It's up to him. And so we turn our faces to him. It just demonstrated a total dependence on God. Then we continue on and we see that after Jehoshaphat prays, then one of the Levites steps up and gives a prophecy. That he's going to tell them what God says to do. And this prophecy... Um, was was telling them something that was really unique. But let's see first, though, how the people responded to this prophecy. In verse 18, it says, Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. They responded to the Lord With a reverence, they bowed to him and they praised. They worshiped and they praised. This was their response to what God did. But I find it interesting because it wasn't because they had actually seen a battle won. They were just told that God would take care of it, they were told how they would do it. So victory hadn't been won yet, yet they worshiped and they praised. Their enemy wasn't defeated. No, he was still alive. But they decided that they would worship him, and their devotion rose from a place of a trustful and a grateful heart. And why? Because they'd already been close to the Father. They'd already spent time praying. They'd already spent time fasting. And so when then God spoke, they knew they could trust him, that they could believe him, because they'd already been close to him. So we don't worship God because of what he does. We worship God because of who he is. And if we, if we only worship God when he does what we want, when we see it happen, then we're going to be sorely disappointed because that's not how it works. God is faithful. God is worthy just because he is Because that's who he is. Because he created you. Because he came and he died for you. Not because of what he does for us. What he does for us is just an added blessing that we get to be a part of. I actually think that it's kind of a little bit like a football team. You know, like we're or whatever team that she would cheer for. So here in Columbus, it's very common to be an Ohio State fan. So come on, 6-0. I don't know if you got to watch the game yesterday. I did not. So um, we didn't have Peacock, and I wasn't going to get that streaming service for the day. So we just skipped it. But it was fine. They won anyway. So but what happens with a team where in the 18 years that I've been in Ohio, and I have watched and cheered for the Buckeyes, They've been pretty good. Like, we haven't really had bad, super bad seasons. Um, There have been some that weren't, like, as good as others. But so for the most part, they've been really, really good. So what happens? You know, like a few weeks ago, I remember sitting in a game where we're sitting there and we're like... We love the Buckeyes. We start. It's great. And then what happens? They like throw some bad passes. They make some bad calls. And we're like, sit them on the bench. Fire the coach. Right? Like our expectation is they're just going to be good. Their expectation is, I know what should happen better than they do. And so we're like, then we get upset and we get frustrated. We can do that with the Lord too. When we are like, God, I think this should happen, or I, you did this for somebody else, so why aren't you doing it for me? I asked for this job, and I didn't get it. I asked for this healing, and I don't see it happening, and we get frustrated. And instead, because our expectations now have not been met, because we're worshiping God because of what he does for us rather than who he is, then a lot of times that's where we start setting, having our experience dictate what our theology is rather than our theology telling us what we should experience. And we end up, a lot of people end up turning from the Lord. They get disgruntled with church and they say, all the people are the same. They hurt me, so I'm not going to go to church anymore. And we relate that to the Lord. But it's because our expectation is set that God should do what we want rather than just saying, God, you are God and we get to worship you because of who you are. But we get to know who God is by being close to him. And so that first part of praying and fasting is what brings us close to him. And that's to have intimacy with the Father. Intimacy intimacy with God activates our authority. It activates what Jesus did for us on the cross where he died and rose again. And now we have authority in the name of Jesus to be able to break strongholds and see healing and lives changed. Our intimacy activates authority, but we seemingly stop short, we soak, we become so stagnant and complacent in intimacy that the authority is never activated. And this is really important because we can find ourselves so often in a very good thing. Praying and being intimate with the Lord is so good. But if we stop there and we never take that authority and do something with it, then it's What does it do besides get you to heaven, right? But when we activate our authority, then we see things change. We've forgotten that we're not just called to be the bride of Christ, but we're called to be the warring bride of Christ. Lovesick for his return, yet poised and positioned in battle, preparing the way for him to come. So we get to be close to him. We get to pray and be close to him. And that sets our posture to be able to become full of praise. Our prayer is, Takes us to our posture to be full of praise. As we continue on in this story, then we see that they get ready for battle and they went and they did what they were told to do, that the worshipers led the battle with worship and praise. So, can you imagine this? Can you imagine being the enemy on the other side of this? And they see this, like, group of people from Judah that are, like, we're going to go into battle. And instead of, like, coming at them with their swords and their shields and, like, being what you would consider to be where strength was, they instead had these worshipers and people praising in the front lines. Like, I don't know. I can just imagine people, like, skipping and, like, praising the Lord. And they'd be, like, sitting there, like, what are these goofballs doing? Like, how are they going to win? We don't know what that did to the enemy, one, like how distracting and how much could they get arrogant and confident and think that they're going to win this battle because what are these people doing? We don't know what our worship will do, what our praise will do, but our job is to walk in an obedience. It says in verse 22 and when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush, the Lord took over. And so then it talks about all the people that they were ambushed. And to sum it all up, they were all defeated. They were all defeated. They won because they did what they were told to do. And they walked in faith and obedience to the Lord. It may not have been, like we could say that it wasn't their praise that won the battle. It wasn't the physical words. It wasn't what song they sang. It wasn't that they were all in tune or that they shouted the loudest. Yet their praise was evidence of their faith. And so their faith and their obedience is what won the battle because they did what God told them to do. But their praise was an evidence that they had that faith. One who really believes the words and promises of God cannot help but to praise him. I was running, well, I say running. I was probably actually walking. (laughs) But in theory, I was like having the mind that I was going to go like run, but at this point, I was probably walking. Anyway, Chris was running as well, but he was in a different path because he runs further and faster than I do, so we don't really run together. We just maybe run at the same time. So he was out running, I was running, and I was running on the road near our house. And I'm going along, and I get this text message from him, and he says, hey, have you heard this song? And he sends me a song, and I'm like, no, I haven't. And he said, well, this is one of my favorite songs right now. He's like, you should listen to it. So I'm like, okay, awesome. This was a song that we sang at the end of service last week, and it's singing in the song to look to the lamb that he is worthy, and this is what Jesus did, and how worthy and awesome he is. And as I'm listening to this song i'm like going along and i had to physically stop what i was doing because i could not help but just worship god and praise him in that moment i mean i am out on the street like i am dancing i'm like shouting (laughs) i probably looked like an idiot to anybody that was driving by but i don't think anyone did so praise god but if they did Maybe something would have happened if they'd have stopped and just joined my praise party because we don't know what happens when we praise. When you praise, it moves your eyes off of where you are and what you're doing and it puts it straight on Jesus. It takes us out of our flesh and it puts us in the supernatural. That's what our praise does. And just be, but it's important to know though that just because you praise, just because you do that, it does not mean that you are going to have immediate victory. Sometimes we see God do something right here, right now. And sometimes we have to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it until we see a breakthrough. But we can also just praise God because He fought the battle for us and He's already won. And that's the ultimate battle. That he came for us, that he died for us, that he's battled for our salvation and to rescue us from a judgment that we rightly deserve. And if nothing else, he deserves all the praise and the glory because of that. I was at a place like several years ago where I remember sitting right up here. And I had been having a conversation with someone who was really frustrated with the Lord because they hadn't seen God Like, God didn't show up the way they thought he would. And I remember sitting here and saying, God, I want nothing else but you. And if I never receive another thing from you that I ask for, are you enough? And it challenged me that Jesus is enough. And even if we don't ever see the battle we're facing won, he's already won a battle for us. And he is worthy for that reason and that reason alone. Maybe you might be sitting here today and you're like, you know what, I'm not really facing any sort of battle personally. You probably, though, do know somebody who's facing a battle, somebody who has something they're walking through. And someday there might be a battle that you have to face. Paul and Silas in the New Testament, they they were in jail um, if you don't know the story, they had been put in jail wrongly. Like, they were not doing anything really wrong, but they had done something that the, the government didn't like. And so they threw them in jail. So not only, though, did they throw them in jail, but they also had thrown them into the inner cell of the jail, which, you know, is going to be the darkest, the dirtiest, the worst place in the jail that they could have been. And these two are in the midst of the jail and in a place where they could have just sat in the corner and pouted and waited until they were released or something happened. They instead decided that they were going to worship and praise. And when they did, their prison cells were open, their chains broke, the people who were around them that were imprisoned, their Walls came down and their chains broke. And a jailer who thought that at this point his life was seemingly over because of what had happened, he got saved. His family got saved, which means generations were saved. And why? Because instead of sitting, Paul and Silas got up and worshiped and praised. And your worship, your praise can change the lives of people around you and it can change generations. It is not just for you. It's for you and it's for the people around you. That is the power of your praise. Praise isn't just the speed of a song, which I think oftentimes we can get there. So it's not just the pump-up song that we do first thing on Sunday morning. That might be a part, and really it's just because you had to give a name to the different types of songs that happen in a worship set. Or like, I don't know what to call it, so it's praise and worship. But really, that's not what it is. It's not just the moment that we all sit and, like, are uncomfortable until he's like, praise God, they're done doing that song because I really don't like it. I don't want to jump around and dance and yell and shout. However, I don't need a fast song to jump and dance and shout. It can be the slowest song because it's about what the power of God is and what he's doing. But our praise is actually when the God, war, the God of war is released. In our praise, he silences our enemies and deals directly with opposing forces. As I magnify his name with everything in me, his zeal is stirred up against my enemies. And that is what praise is. That's why we do it. That's why we praise. The American church as a whole, am not talking about just like the church building, so what happens on a Sunday morning, but just the people of the church as a whole have, we've kind of abandoned Our post, and we've abandoned what God has set in His word for us to do. We've abandoned our sound and our authority. We've traded consecration for consumerism, fight for fame, push for passivity, righteousness for rank, breakthrough for bondage, strength for sentimentalism, and the sovereign sound of heaven for the shallow sound of relevance. And I say, I'm here to say this morning that it's no more. It's time to say no more, that that's not how we're going to live our lives, that we're not going to just sit back and come to church on Sunday morning. It's fine. We see that it's fine that we can just be intimate with the Lord. But there's more for us. There's more for the church. There's more for our city And for our country. And it's going to take us not just resigning ourselves to the fact that this is just the way it is. I guess that's how it's going to be for the rest of my life. So I'm just going to sit back. No, we're going to keep believing. We might not see our healing yet. We might not see our breakthrough yet. But we're going to keep pushing and keep believing. Because that's what God says to do. We might have barely made it before. But we're still holding on. We may have a problem in front of us. But God said to pray. He said to fast. He said to praise. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to believe for greater things. So what do we do? I'm not going to ask you to come up front this morning and I'm like, naturally you would think, well, let's just put on, you know, the song praise and we're just going to like praise the Lord. We're going to jump around and dance. I'm not going to do that because I I want this to be something that you take home and you put in your heart and say, God, what is it that, I can do? What should I be challenged in? What more could I do to see? What is going on in my life that maybe I need to give to you, that I need to set my eyes on you, that I could give up, that I could do more? So what I'm going to ask is for three things. Would you commit over the next 14 days, this takes us from now until the 29th for our altar revival service, Would you for the next 14 days, one, pray. Pray for our Tanzania missions team because they're not here, but they're in Tanzania doing this very thing. They're bringing the gospel to people who do not know Jesus. They're going to worship. They're going to pray. They're going to praise. They're going to see people come to know him. And they're also going to have, like their lives are going to be changed while they're over there. So would we pray for them? If we can do that, and let's also then pray for our altar of revival service on the 29th. I truly believe that there is going to be lives changed, made whole, and healed in the name of Jesus on the 29th. We are going to see those things, but it comes when the church steps up and says, I'm not just going to show up. We're going to activate that authority that God has given us. So let's pray for the team and let's pray for the service. Secondly, would you fast? This is a big ask because that's not natural for us as as humans. I'm not asking, you don't have to do the whole 14 days. You can if you want, if there's something you feel that you could give up just to show your dependence on the Lord. But would you, if you could do the whole time or you could do a day or you could do a meal, you could do something. Would you ask the Lord what it would be that he would ask you to give up during this time? to show your total dependence on God and to believe for greater things. So we're going to pray, we're going to fast, and thirdly, we're going to praise. And I am talking not just coming to church next Sunday morning ready to praise. Please do that, because it's so much fun. Uh, It might make you feel uncomfortable, but we're not here to be comfortable. We're here to serve the Lord and to worship him. And it might make someone around you uncomfortable, but let's do it, let's go after him. But would you do this, can you give like five minutes a day at your home, praising God, I mean, you could do it in your shower, you could do it in your car, you can do it while you're out on a run, or you could do it right in your living room, whatever it might be, but would you take time to physically praise the Lord? It says in Isaiah 61, it talks about putting on the garment of praise, that our praise is something we put on, which means it's actually something that should be seen. It should be seen, it should be heard. So people should know by looking at you that you are praising the Lord. And so would you do that? Just spend some time, and this is what it will do for you. It's gonna lift your spirit, it'll help you sense the presence of God, it will enlarge your perception of God, reveal solutions that you can't see, it'll help you remember God's blessing, it enlists protection, it breaks chains, and it opens doors. And I believe... Because the word says it, that if you will take the time to praise, you are going to see something different and you will look different. It's going to be noticeable. And so if you do these three things, then man, what is going to happen? I mean, I don't even know what's going to happen next Sunday if you start this. So be prepared next Sunday. Who knows what God's going to do. But then because we're believing and praying for what's going to happen on the 29th, let's be doing that. And let's see what God is going to do in our lives. I believe that we're going to see a move of God. So could you just stand up all across this room? Before I pray for you, I want to ask first because this is great, but we can't be we can't even start the process of being intimate with the Lord until we know him. Until we're close to until we have returned to him or know him for the first time. And if you're in the room this morning and you don't know this God, this Jesus that we talk about, or maybe you have aligned yourself with people or things that aren't of the Lord, and you need to return to him today so that you can have this intimacy with God, so that you can activate the authority that you have to fight these battles and to to stand in him, then I'm gonna ask you, I'm not gonna ask everybody to bow their heads because this is, we're gonna be bold because we want to be bold for Jesus. And so if that is you today, I just I don't want to go any further without asking if you're here today and you need that for the first time or you need to return to God in some way, would you just lift your hand across this room so that I can be praying for you? Awesome. Awesome. All right. For the rest of you, Would you just lift your hands all across this room if you are willing to pray about committing to these three things over these next two weeks? That you would say, I'll do that. I want to be close to Jesus. I want to see God move. I want to believe for greater things. And I'm willing to look at praying and fasting and praising him these next two weeks. If you would do that, if you'll just lift your hands across this room, I'm going to pray for you. Father, we thank you today, God that you are good. God, we thank you that you are mighty, that you are strong, and we can worship you. God, I pray for these this week, or over these next couple weeks, God, as they look to you, as they set their face to you, and they say, God, we want more. We don't want to just sit back, but we want more, and we want to be close to you, God. I pray that you would strengthen them, God, that you would give them favor, that you would bless them, Jesus. And God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them, God, in such new ways. And Lord, when we come together again, God, I pray that it would look different, Lord, that they would look different because of the time that they have spent with you, the time they've spent in intimacy with you and in praising you, Jesus. So we thank you, Father. Bless them. And we praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So today, church, just remember. Remember your peace to turn your problem to fasting, to turn your prayers to praise and your praise to breakthrough. And maybe if you like peas, maybe eat some of them this week too. You You never know. So anyway, thank you for being with us today. Would you be careful what you watch this week. Be careful what you listen to and be careful what you talk about. Savor the presence of Jesus. Have a great week. We love you all. We'll see you again real soon.